some people feed you and some people bleed you and then you have to identify on a spectrum of relativity is it worth being bled by this person because they're your grandma All right, guys, so we're back for another episode of Defining Success with Matt Foster. Um, I have my good friend and one of the most high-frequency people that I know, uh, Dave Meltzer. Dave, appreciate you coming on today, man. Well, I was excited. It's been way too long, and when you're a very active person with multiple relationships, uh, trying to empower people like yourselves, it's amazing how time flies, but yet... I've seen the success that you've had in the exponentiality of the outcomes by truly leaning in to being kind and articulating value in a very prosperous area of residential and commercial real estate. So I wanted to tell you, number one, congratulations. Two, thank you so much for helping me on my mission of empowering over a billion people to make a lot of money, help a lot of people and have a lot of fun. Uh, if I could find more of Mass Matt Foster's, I'd be fine. Oh man, I love that. You're too, you're too kind, man. And that's why I enjoy our friendship. It's just, uh, you know, we both leave better, better for it. Right. And I think that's what a good friendship is. And I, I think you talk a lot. Um, I'll jump right into it. I think you talk a lot about, um, really auditing the relationships in your life, the people that are helping you raise your frequency and then the people that are bleeding you. Um, talk to me a little bit about, Akron, Ohio to pole vaulting. Walk me from that <laughs> from that timeline to that timeline, and then we'll uh, we'll jump from there. Yeah, sure. And it's kind of learning that great chain of feeding. You know, understanding some people feed you and some people bleed you, and then you have to identify on a spectrum of relativity: is it worth being bled by this person because they're your grandma, right? Mm -hmm. Or compared to like some idiot in high school making fun of you. Uh, you know, there's a big difference of what level or threshold we're going to allow those t two people to bleed us. Grandma, they can bleed me a lot. Asshole from high school, not a chance. Uh, but I didn't know that back then. I grew up with six mm -hmm. kids and a single mom. What I did know was poverty. And what I did know was scarcity. And what I did know was competition, comparison, and the judgments of others and the self-worth that is uh, prevalent in someone that doesn't have enough. And when you have a mom that gives everything to her six children, working two jobs, packing a dinner in a paper bag, but yet providing happiness and love and a vision of success via education, uh, it's difficult to catch your mom crying when the car breaks down. Mm -hmm. It's difficult. You know, one of the things I get choked up about uh, that I'm just dealing with today at 55, when I was seven years old, I stole $17 from my mom's purse. Within 30 minutes, I was going to the grocery store and we stood in line. And when she went into her purse to pay for groceries, we didn't have enough money. Mm. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, if that doesn't, yeah, if that doesn't do something inside of you forever, you know, you, you yeah. don't have a heart, right? Right. And so, you know, forgiveness is the lesson that heals that pain of knowing I'm human and I was a kid and you know, what happens, but other kids never have that experience because they don't need to steal from their mom. They don't have a desire to, to be rich because they don't know anything different. And one, you talked about leading me to pole vaulting. I wanted to be a professional athlete 
And, you know, I played football, played football in college. Uh, but the interesting thing was I love pole vaulting because unlike football, where when I stepped on the field, even as the team captain my senior year in college of an undefeated team, when I stepped on the field, I still was second on the str second string on the chart coming into my senior year, right? Where in pole vaulting, it didn't matter how tall I was, how short I was, how fast I was, how strong I was. There was only that Dave Meltzer cleared 15 feet, nine inches in one, or Dave Meltzer cleared 15 feet, nine inches and came in fifth. But I loved pole vaulting because it taught me that quantitative value was something that could not be disputed. Mm. Quantitative value could not be disputed. And so when I got into sales, and that's still what I'm really in, even though I run some of the biggest companies in the world and invest, I, I, my, my ability to articulate the quantitative value to exceed what I'm asking for is at the core of my ability to make money. That I am a giver and a receiver. I give more than I receive quantitatively, but there is no doubt when I cleared 15 feet, nine inches, 4.6 meters, that I could articulate the value of that comparatively to the other people that were clearing their, their best. And I love that about pole vaulting. I do love it about golf as well. You know, I, I, I love the fact that my son does love football like me and he faces the subjective nature of are you good enough or you know, starting and not starting at, at, you know, subjective matter. But I love that he's involved in a sport that's quantitative because both are necessary in life because people buy on emotion for logical reasons. Yeah, it's clear, clear cut competition. And I would say, you know, uh, in knowing you for a long time and knowing your story, um, you have something that you, you see and don't see in others and either you have it or you don't, right? Which is kind of that hunger, kind of growing up in the conditions that you did single mom, six kids, right? Just wanting to get after it. There's just a deep need to improve and get better. And, and, and it's going to, of course, in some version of our lives, and it did for you, I'd love for you to talk about this part because you got to the $100 million net worth and blew it all up, right? Because you had one part of the right success, which is I want it. I want to be better. I need to be better. I need to be beyond the circumstances and I'll do whatever it takes. You know, even if they say I can't do football, I'll do football. If I can't do pole vaulting, I'll do pole vaulting. They say I can't run with the beginning of the internet and uh, not go a traditional route like lawyer or doctor and still win. Um, I'm, I'm showing my mom, I'm showing everybody else. But at some point that dark energy that drives you, which can produce all these results, implodes on itself because the the foundation isn't th those bricks were built with really hot heat right but at the same time that fire is still going to light the whole thing up so talk a little bit about you know you had this meteoric rise um utilizing your will to a certain point and it all kind of you know all came crashing down to make you look at the ashes with your wife and your kids and hey, where are we going to go from here? And you kind of recreated this second half of your life, which has done a whole lot more. What's been, uh, what's been some of the, the bumps and, and journeys and, and eye-opening vision that you see going forward from getting there, crashing, and then rising, rising up again? Yeah, for me, it was notating I had a desire that I must be what I can be 
but I always had a desire to do my best, learn lessons and have fun. And I did that my whole life. It was at first to be able to make the football team and then play in college and then start in college and then, you know, get into the best law school and to make the most money coming out of law school and to buy my mama house and buy my mama car. And mm -hmm. I always, I did my best. I learned lessons and I had fun. I had a desire that I must be what I can be. And it all changed when I lost sight on what I can be. Mm. Instead of worrying about what I was becoming, I had thought, I call it an arriver in one of my books, I had arrived. So I did my best and learned lessons regarding having fun, but I had no other purpose. Uh, and I surrounded myself, like you said, with the wrong people and the wrong ideas. I lost my application of my why. I don't believe in searching for a why. I've always applied my why. I've applied my desire that I must be what I can be by doing my best at whatever I wanted to do and having fun doing it, which is a superpower that, you know, I'm a guy who goes live every day and people are like, dude, you don't have to do that. Your brand is huge. You make tons of money. Why would you every single day pour into people on IG Live and TikTok Live? Because I apply my why. I enjoy the consistent, persistent pursuit of my potential of empowering as many people as I can to make as much money as they can, to help as many people as they can, to have as much fun as I can. And yeah. I lost that and it spiraled quickly. And all I ended up doing was applying my why to negative trajectories, to creating more interference in my life. And instead of you know, wanting more for a purpose of passion or profitability, I wanted more for the wrong reasons and the wrong ideas. And those started to aggregate and create interference. So I shifted my paradigm uh, from all of this abundant philosophy that took me so many years to learn into I need more, but I don't know what I want more of. So I'll buy more things, different things. I'll buy things to impress people that I don't even like because I can't figure out that attachment to my application of why. And it took a basement, losing everything, almost losing my life, almost losing my wife, and I'm still not sure which one would have been worse, uh, to reallocate my paradigm in life to I am. I am David Meltzer. I am happy. I am healthy. I am wealthy and I am worthy. What am I doing to interfere with it? And when I shifted that paradigm, day one, day one, I started knocking down what I was doing to interfere. I fired friends. I started creating good habits again. The Dave Meltzer that was someone who came close to his potential in everything, whether it was being a student or an athlete, that doesn't mean I was the best at it, right? We, our skills and our knowledge determine our basement. Our desire gets us close to our potential. My basement of, of, uh, you know, football, for example, is so far down that my potential isn't even at the basement of, you know, a Jeff George or a Ryan Leaf or a Tom Brady. Their basements are higher than my potential. But that's okay because life's about enjoying that pursuit of the potential. And that's what I'm here to help people with is how do you apply your why? In fact, I give away, and Matt, I'd love to do this for your community. I give away my book. I sign it. I send it to you. I pay for the book and shipping. You know, I'm not one to stand in front of shit that I don't own. I, I, I was so disappointed. I just got to tell you, 
you know, I have a billboard for my Apple TV shows and I do lives in front of them in Times Square. On the very same day, one of the kids that I coach, you know, creates a fake one, right? And thinks he's getting away with it. And I was so disappointed. It's like, dude, why don't you stand in front of cars you don't own, planes you don't own, houses you don't own, to try to inspire people? You know the truth vibrates the fastest. And just because you can use some creative art tool to make it seem like you got a billboard in Times Square, it's not going to vibrate at the same frequency as actually doing it. Yeah. Yeah, no, and, and, and you're right. Uh, people, people aren't as dumb as we'd like to think that they are, right? It's like... You know, even whatever shortcuts we think we can pull, just because just because you get a fast one or or can cut some cut some corners, I've always seen it in life. Given a long enough trajectory, you're always paying that back at some point. You may pay it back with money if it was a shortcut on money, and maybe in another way. But it always the debt is always come the debt always comes due on on short moves, right? One of the things that you talk about that I'd really love for my audience to hear about is you're 1% better. You're 1% better, the application of the law of 72, I think that's something that they can really apply with their lives because it's so digestible and, and, and almost you could just miss it. But uh, talk a little bit about 1% and, uh, and the rule of 72. Yeah, well first you have to realize that time is the only dependent variable of all matter and mm -hmm. objective and subjective matter. So time's infinite in the past, you can close your eyes and go back 100 million years. Time's infinite in the future. You can close your eyes and go 100 million years in the future. But today is made from man-made constructive time, 24 hours in a day. It's determined by the speed in which a particle of light leaves the sun and hits the earth. That's a constant. It's man-made constructive and it's quantitative in its nature. I use time as a dependent variable to determine how long did it take me to get 1% better at X. X would be something in a trajectory of where I think I want to be or better. Einstein created the rule of 72 that said for whatever period of time it takes to get 1% better, it'll take 72 of that identical periods of time if you don't get better at doing it. If you get better at doing it, it'll actually speed up even and the rule of 72 will happen faster than 72 months, 72 weeks, 72 days, or 72 hours. And so I'm always looking for quantitative constant variables that I can improve upon, even like guilt, right? I use the rule of 72 for guilt. So for example, if I feel guilty, which I still do sometimes, I know that's an interfering energy to my potential. Mm -hmm. So I will use time to say, how long am I going to feel guilty about this? If I can get 1% better tomorrow and not feel guilty for an entire hour, but I can now feel guilty for 60 seconds less, it'll be 72 days until I don't feel guilty ever again, right? I'm improved. But it also, with community or building money, right? If I can create 1% more revenue in a month, I know I'm only 72 months before it doubles. I've now doubled my business in six years. If I have a community, this is how I built, and I, I you know, I'm blessed because I got to help Gary Vaynerchuk with his sports agency six and a half years ago at the Super Bowl. And he you know, convinced me that I should build this brand. And he said to me, Dave, if we're gonna do this together, I need to know what you want in a year. 
And I said, I want two ambassadors, two people like Matt Foster. They're going to have me on their show. Tell everybody you got to watch the podcast and listen to this and read the books and go to his speeches, go to his free meetups and free Friday trainings, whatever it is. Matt's going to get me two people a year to at least come in board with us as an ambassador. And he's all, two people? I go, yeah. I go, because I'm 50 years old and 20 years from now, I'll be the most popular 70-year-old for my genre of what I'm trying to do. Yeah. And he goes, how do you figure that? I said, the rule 72, right? If I can double every year, two turns to four, four, eight, I'll have 2 million people when I'm 70 getting me 2 million more ambassadors every year. That will easily make me the most powerful and engaged person in my genre of what I'm trying to do, which is to empower people to make money, help people and have fun. And I love that because it's so different from how most of us think. Because I could look at the beginning of the podcast. I could look at the downloads. Like, I think we're doing better um, than most that are first starting just because I waited years to do this. Um, Should have started it earlier due to that compounding. But um, to be able to have the time and energy to really give this the attention that it deserves and also to bring on amazing people like yourself and be prepared to have great conversations and to learn. It, it's It's such... It's such an interesting thing actually being able to interview amazing people because um, I'm actually taking something away every time. It's like my own personal teaching by asking, and it's, uh, it's been a beautiful thing. But what I love is that most people, if they're not getting some feedback, if their framework isn't correct about what the feedback should be, even on that small amount, like you said, from Gary Vaynerchuk's perspective, it's like, oh, no, it needs to be a million people. But... How do, how do you actually get there? And I think this is what I love about you too, Dave, is that you believe in gratitude, you believe in manifestation, you believe in a lot of the, um, the realm of what is beyond us and, and feeds into us and energy. But at the end of the day too, you're, you're a realist in the sense that two plus two equals four and two times two equals, you know, uh, on and on from there, uh, that there actually is some realism behind the action that you actually take in this physical world. It's just more what kind of consistency can you take? Like how you talk to your mom every single day, you shortened up the need to go drive four hours. Like you've t said before and uh, fix a window screen to let her know that you love her. Not that you don't spend time with her, but your consistency of a smaller period of time um, actually does a lot more for your relationship with her. So I think what people can take away from this is that hey, don't be discouraged by small outcomes that if you have the drive and the consistency to stand behind them, um, it really can compound to something amazing. You just need enough time to get there and for it to keep getting better over time. Yeah, there's a great saying, right? Two minutes a day, and I use this with my daughters because I asked for five minutes a day with them, but two minutes a day, which is what they gave me minimum, is worth more than two hours on a Saturday. And all that's really about time is a dependent variable and math, that aggregation, the exponentiality of outcomes and acceleration that occurs from time, from space, from money, all energies, three characteristics of energies. If you study physics, quantum physics, and metaphysics, there's three characteristics. Energy will co collect more of the same energy. It aggregates. It'll provide you the exponentiality through the rule of 72 of outcomes, and it will accelerate uh, so it comes faster. If everything that we wanted aggregated, exponentially created more outcomes of what we wanted and happened faster, 
we'd be super happy. And so I use behaviors, time, space, money in the essence of physics in order to facilitate. You talked about being pragmatic in a woo-woo world. Uh, I've even, I'm very pragmatic about my faith. And I, I, I need to share this with everyone because it's part of a challenge. And once again, if you want my book, David at dmelcher.com, Matt will put in the notes. But listen to this. I talk about source. And it's the source of my faith. And the source of my faith is based off of a very pragmatic thing. My best option. You see, people have different definitions of the source of their faith. There's Jesus, there's Muhammad, Buddha, there's Joseph Smith, there's Jesus Christ. There's a whole bunch of them. These are the source of people's faith. I myself, I don't want to separate myself because I believe that the source of my faith should just be, if I can't prove mathematically, talk about pragmatic woo-wisdom, uh, if I can't prove what the source of my faith is, then I'm just going to take the best option. So I challenge people. I said, here's the source of my faith. I believe in a unified, abundant system of thought that is omniscient. It's all-knowing. It's all-powerful. And it protects and promotes me and loves me more than it's my mom. And I challenge everyone out there. I don't care if you could prove it. It'd be great. But I don't care if you could prove it. Just tell me something that's a better option to believe in. Tell me something that's, if you can't prove the source of your faith, then give me a better option to believe in that I can't prove, but it works for me so well and it works for everyone so well that almost every religion is based off of the best option that I'm thinking of. 99% of all religions, although they argue within themselves and outside of themselves, they believe in something bigger than them that loves them more than their mom. Let's be honest. So I talk about this woo-woo stuff, but I do it in a very pragmatic way to say, hey, bro, I really don't need you to prove to me or evangelize to me. I'm a best options guy. So unless you could tell me a better option, you could call it whatever you want. People say, Dave, do you believe in Jesus Christ? I said, is Jesus Christ bigger than me, knows everything and loves me more than my mom? And they're like, yes. I'm like, I believe in that. And then someone else says, you believe in Buddha. Yeah, Buddha bigger than me, love me more my mom, knows everything. Yeah, okay, I believe in that. And they get a little bit frustrated sometimes. I'm like, just give me a better option to believe in. It's the source of your faith that determines the trajectory and allowing you not to limit your own self-image because you'll never overachieve your own self-image. Exactly. And then uh, at the end of the day, you know that you are your highest self with uh, the truth that you hold on to. And like you said, you're still waiting for people to, people to come back to hand you something that is a, is, is a better option. So I love that. But to be respectful of your time, Dave, I know we already passed the 20-minute mark that we allotted. Um, I usually do have a power three at the end, but I can completely skip that you know, with respect to your time if, uh, if we can't get through that. Let's just do it real do quick. Just... Let's do power three. Okay, power three real quick. I asked, asked these three uh, questions to every guest create some consistency and I like, uh, I like the answer. So one, what is something that Dave Meltzer is studying right now? It could be a book, podcast, thought, just kind of a direction because you're always kind of mulling on things, right? If, if someone was to look over Dave's shoulder, what's something that you're really obsessing over right now that'd be interesting for them to look into? Time, study time. Time is the dependent variable of all matter. I study it, I'm into the Bhagavad Gita. I'm into rare collections of historical data in order to effectuate how does human uh, nature 
uh, align with the philosophy and pragmatic practice of time. Mm, love that. All right. Power question number two. Um, what is an actionable tip, actionable tip that you would recommend to the audience that if they apply today and followed continuing forward would help change their lives? Guaranteed. Say thank you before you go to bed and thank you when you wake up. Easiest, simplest, fastest, least expensive, takes 0.1 seconds. Most impactful exponential outcomes will come from anyone. It's not easy to do because the simple things to do are unfortunately simple not to do. So force yourself to say thank you before you go to bed and when you wake up. I guarantee, guarantee it'll change your life. Got it. And I'll take that one to heart. I, I, I'm not always, maybe sometimes more in the morning time than at night, but I think uh, on both sides of the day, it makes a huge difference. So I'll, I'll take that for myself. Um, power question number three. This one, this one I, is uh, close to home for me, and it's my own special one because I feel like I haven't seen any other podcast ask this question. Um, I believe that amazing people run with other amazing people, and I know you just know a ton it's just almost like, who do you want to talk to, Matt, right? But for the context of this podcast, uh, season one is already booked up, but I plan to do this for the long term. My ask is, who is someone Dave Meltzer recommends being on this podcast that'd be a good fit, uh, great to speak on success and where they're going and having an impact with life, um, and that also you wouldn't mind, which I know you don't, wouldn't mind making an introduction to so that we can set that up. I have probably a thousand of people. I, I know it's uh, tough. But, uh, I know it's tough when you have a lot of people. I'll, I'll give you, give me a, a genre you want, athlete, celebrity, entrepreneur, billionaire. Who do you want? Give me a, okay, a category. Let's go, um, let's go entrepreneur. Entrepreneur. Then we're going to go, one of my favorite entrepreneurs, Clinton Sparks, uh, platinum okay. producer, Lady Gaga, Beyonce. He's in the song. Clinton Sparks, one of my favorite crossover entrepreneurs, and he's one of the best interviews you'll ever have. You will laugh your ass off for a half an hour. Looking forward to it. All right, Clint, we're coming for you. Dave's going to make the introduction, and uh, we will make sure you get on to uh, one of the next seasons. So, Dave, uh, with respect to your time, with lots of love for you, man, um, we're going to go into what I always say is my favorite part. When the recording stops, there's some conversation that happens beyond it, and that's for us. And for you guys to maybe ask me about if you ever see me in person. So, Dave, thank you so much for being on today. Thanks for having me, Matt. Talk to you soon.